This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, it's the friend zone with Tim and Guy. It's the friend zone. We're going to have a good time. It's the friend zone with Tim and Guy because making friends is the best idea of all time. Friend zone. Hello and welcome to the friend zone. <laughs> Thrust upon Guy. Unrelenting. Unrelenting. Uh, hey everyone, it's me, Guy. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good too, man. Thanks for asking. How are you, Tim? I'm pretty hot. Um, we're in the studio. We've just recorded an episode of our fantastic podcast, the worst idea of all time, season five, the sexy season, featuring Emmanuel. I, we we did our um we did our Sex in the City live table read recently. Some of the feedback I've observed online mm. is that this season we've been working on has horned us up something chronic. Oh yeah, that's and true. In a way that is undeniable. Sort of infected us in a way. I. Mm. What do you think about that? Agree? Uh, disagree? Yeah, look, here's the thing about doing a podcast for seven years, which we're now celebrating, because very recently we tripped over our seventh anniversary. Um, anyway, we know how. You've got to evolve, and you've got to evolve slowly and in a childish way. He's not wrong. And, and that's what we did. And so we have. Tim, are you sweating? Uh, yeah, I'd quite like to take my shoes off. Why but, don't you? Because there's a lot of rigmarole. I'm wearing... Uh, oh, you're wearing lace-up hiking Tim's, boots. Timberlands. Timberlands. Yeah. It did quite hard to get off. I had a real nightmare when I was um, going around open homes in these shoes. You know, take them off and on all the time. Too many lacing. How could you laces. think to wear those to an open home? I didn't think it through. How many times did you do that? All on one day so or across multiple weekends? I did it multiple weekends. That is absurd to no me. Good. You've, you are so smart. You know so much better than that. Do you want to hear from someone? Would you, every time you do it, what would you say? Would you say anything? Here I go again. And what would Zoe say? You fucking idiot. Yeah. I respect that woman. Amber says, Dear good sweet boys, Tim and Guy, I've been listening to the podcast since season one, from high school all the way to a PhD through adolescence into young adulthood. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> and throughout all this, I have not watched any of the films which you boys have bravely ventured. Um, this is Tim talking now. I'm going to take a, a brief pause. I fucking love that, bro. Are you kidding me? 
we've been in Amber's life for a long time. Yeah, but it's that's like, cool. I guess, but also Amber's made something of her life in the time that we've oh, I see. been sitting next to each other. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, if you're going to read it like that. Well, just take it as like we sacrifice so that she may get a doctorate. I'm not old enough in my life to be like to knowingly make sacrifices like this. Oh, Amber, I resent you. I'm going to unpause uh, the email. Yeah, continue. That is, until I was physically incapable of stopping the onslaught of grown-ups too. I recently had a bit of a health scare and... Thought I was got, I thought I was having a stroke at the ripe old age of 22. I couldn't feel half my body and was experiencing some some uh, um aphasia uh, uh hmm aphasia. Wait, how do you say that? A P H A. Yeah, I wouldn't know aphasia. Aphasia. Um. So because I'm American, I asked my neighbour to drive me to the hospital where I was quickly admitted. The good news is I was not in fact having a stroke. The better news is I was given a shitload of painkillers plus some nausea medicine after I got done being violently sick for a hot minute. But then, just as I was relaxing into a blissful state of no pain and being provided with incredibly expensive water and graham crackers, the evil struck. I looked up at the television in my room just as Grown Ups 2 was beginning. Oh, God. The dual remote controlling both the TV and the bell that told the nurse that I needed to be walked to the bathroom to pee? Incapable of changing the channel. Incapable of even turning the television off. I couldn't get up to end the psychological torture as I was tethered to my bed via an IV. I couldn't even ask anyone to tell uh, to please intervene because I was still having a difficult time finding words besides thank you, sorry, and fuck. While those phases do cover all human experiences, they cannot express the inhuman, capitalistic sadism of grown-ups too. I ended up watching most of the film as I drifted in and out of sleep while waiting for a CT scan. Eventually, they released me from the ER, good as new, but not before that damage was done. All that to say, when you told us to never watch the film, I took that seriously, and I howled out as long as I could. But one day, the devil will come knocking for all of us. I've never been more appreciative of the pain you boys went through. You are good boys, brave boys, and deeply, worryingly masochistic boys. Thank you for your good service to us all. Godspeed, you absolute legends. Amber, feel free to say my name, or don't, whatever tickles your fancy. Uh, Amber, that was that was from November, which I feel bad about. Good luck with everything, Amber. <laughs> okay, I uh, be- I believe in that, Amber. I appreciate the anecdote. I'm glad to hear that you're well. I'm sorry that you had to do that. Watch that, but um, she's been through the ringer with us, man. Know, at yeah. her side, I'm still from ha- high I'm school still, to PhD. I'm still having trouble with that part of the letter, <laughs> like a huge amount of trouble with it. Hi, Timbo and Guy Guy. Just want to let you know that you're. Absolute legends. See, here's a guy who knows what to do. He's not telling me that he's achieved a lot. Dude, it was your reading, though. You don't put that on Amber. I know, I know, I know. And anyway, Amber, Amber knows, too. Yes. I mean, she fucking well should. She's got a PhD. Indeed. Piece of shit. <laughs> well, hold on. I managed to see you two at the last LA Live show for season four and was blown away. Not only was it a great show, but you gave me a free sign poster for pre-ordering my tickets. Then, as I took the poster, Guy aggressively aggressively yelled at me that I was a true goddamn fan. <laughs> we just go off the deep end sometimes, eh? Look at those live events. You guys have given me hours of entertainment, and most importantly, the friendly attitude you put out makes me feel like I have friends in my pocket whenever I'm down. Love the new season. Keep up that great work, you good, good boys. Genuinely love you guys. If you're ever in San Diego, drinks 
and smokes on me. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. I'm going to I'm going to write that and I'm going to put it in quotation marks and I'm going to credit the quote Tim to Bat. Tim Bat. Tim Bat, me. Tim Bat. Um, fuck yeah, man. I have been mentioning to a guy recently, my my comedy wife and uh, my wife wife, Zoe, how much I miss America. Mm. I feel for you guys. I love you guys. And I miss you and I miss your country and I miss traveling there. And uh, some of the most fun experiences of my entire life have been doing live shows for this podcast in your country. And I bemoan the fact uh, that we can't at the moment. Yeah, it's uh, there's a there's there's so much more than the Atlantic Ocean between us right now. Indeed, Pacific. There's Pacific, a Pacific Ocean. Pacifically, there's a there's the Pacific Ocean. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's two oceans, and then also a global pandemic. Why does someone obtaining a free poster at our hand make them a true goddamn fan guy? Because they pre-ordered the tickets. Oh yeah, okay, true. <laughs> this seems pretty standard, eh? Yeah, our, our bar is low. Depends how you feel. Can I talk about that stream for just one second? The live stream that we did. Yeah. I know we weren't just talking about it then, but I just want to mention it. Yeah. Fuck a lot of people came, and that rules, because I was so scared that no one would come. Yeah. You, Hundreds of people came. It's true. And I remember saying to you, Tim, we got, a, we got told what our pre-sales were uh, like a week before the event, and they were like, pretty good. Mm. I thought. They were fine. And I, it was something like 70 tickets. And I said to Tim, hey, Tim, we pre-sold 70 tickets. That's pretty good. And you're like, yeah, but like it's online, so it could be... A million. A million, exactly. <laughs> and I said, yes, Tim, but when we do a show in Chicago and... You need to air all our dirty laundry on the Well, mic. I know, but I just thought it was so, it's such a funny framework to be like, it could, of course, an infinite number of people could come. Yeah, and you did. An infinite number of people did come. Yeah, it's true, actually. Tim was right on this one. We did eventually sell the in, a million tickets that we desired. But uh, thank you so much to everyone who came. It was a lot of fun to put together and a lot, a lot of fun to perform. And the knowledge that people wanted that to happen was a huge motivating force. So it's appreciated. Shout out to Littlefield as well. It's online. Littlefield Theatre in Brooklyn. All theatres around the whole world, really, at the moment are struggling. So um, help them out if you can. Mm-hmm. Put on a show, go to a show. Did one of those things. Digitally. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Emmanuel related, somewhat urgent. This was sent on the 18th of November, <laughs> 2020. Gentlemen, I've noticed this season has been bereft of guests. What gives? Are you embarrassed to share your latest obsession with polite society? Never fear. There's no time like the present to make new friends with known recording capabilities at their disposal. I propose you reach out to Dan McCoy of the Flophouse podcast. He's an unabashed aficionado of the Emmanuel franchise, as well as Tito Brasses of uh, Ouvre. I know you have mutual friends in the McElroy brothers, and I'm sure any of them could make the necessary introductions. This could be a fun crossover. If I may, shout out to my friend Elizabeth, who clued me up in what you're all up to. Say my name. It is Marcus. I think that sounds like a great idea. The Flophouse are like the OG bad podcast, uh, bad movie podcast. What does Flophouse mean? Or is it just the name of their podcast? Fuck, I feel like it does mean. It's either pancakes or drugs. <laughs> and I don't know which. Uh, well, I think it's a good idea. If there's a, a no, you know, someone with a known background with the Emmanuel franchise, I would love to get in 
any version of an expert to help hold our hand through the, the drudgery that is softcore pornography. A flop house or DOS house is considered a derogatory term for a place that offers very low-cost lodging, providing space to sleep and minimal amenities. I see. Um, Like a bad motel. I guess it's like a bad motel. Big fan, guys. We got guests subsequent to that email, I hasten to add. Yeah. We're not embarrassed. I love the semi-urgent nature of the email. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, glad I now know the rationale behind the name of Rob Schneider's comedy special. <laughs> we're gonna do. We're gonna do this again. Do what? We're gonna fucking open this can of worms again. What worms? Read on. The special is co- no. It doesn't say. <laughs> These casts are really making the smoggy Bangladesh nights fly by. We'll try to catch some live shows next time in your neck of the woods. Last time I tried to see guys Melbourne Comedy Festival show, my girlfriend at the time vomited on the front of us, on on the front, front of the stage. No, my girlfriend at the time vomited on the front in front of us, and I didn't even get to see the opening joke. Oh. Holy shit! Looking back, I'm sure we probably were the opening joke. You're welcome. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Do you remember that, <laughs> Matt? No, I mean if it's before the show started, I wouldn't have seen it. But it sounds like maybe this guy's partner was sick. On herself and another punter, and they vacated the premises before the show rings, began. This rings a vague bell. There, was a t- I've, there were two years in a row when I did a show in Melbourne. One was a split ball with Rose, and one was my first solo show when uh, someone f- fainted or had a fit it's during Ro- the show. Rose Matafeo. So you might be remembering that. Twice the room had to be evacuated because someone was having a medical emergency. Huh. Both times I was only going, okay. <laughs> Yeah, hate to hear it. Wouldn't you be more gutted if you were crushing it, though, and the universe intervened on you being No, successful? then it would be like, wow, so funny, this happened. But instead it was like, wow, so not funny. And then an event. Relieved for this. I don't know. I hope your um, girlfriend's feeling better, my friend. Girlfriend at the time. Oh. I hope your ex-girlfriend's still healthy. Oh. Twilight drinking game suggestion from Kev. His name's Kevin. I've called him Kev. Hi, Tim and Guy. I wanted to share a game I used to play with my brother and our buddy, which I thought you two would appreciate because it involves a bit of self-loathing, total commitment to playing the game even when you don't want to, humour, and a similar name to the podcast. We call it, call it the worst shot in the bar game. As the name suggests, we try to find the worst liquor to take a shot of. To play, you ask the bartender to give you a shot of the worst liquor they have in the place, keeping in mind that the shot has to be a single liqueur and not a mixture. Basically, you ask the bartender to give you the shot of the liquor that is so terrible, he or she is not sure why the bar stocks it. Something so disgusting, you'd have to hate yourself to drink. The key is that it's totally up to the bartender to pick the shot on their own without your input. A lazy bartender will pick something like, well, gin, but a good bartender will get creative. For us, the reigning and undisputed champion is... Do you want to take a guess? Aftershock. That's not one liquor. Aftershock is one liquor. Is it? It's one drink. It's a it, it's a red drink. It comes in a bottle. It's cinnamon flavored. Oh, my bad. Sorry. Do you know what I was thinking of? A concrete mixer. Ah. Sorry. False accusation to Guy. Uh, no, what Kevin's actually suggested is Campari, which both goes down terribly and has a god-awful aftertaste. As you can imagine, no one wins except maybe the bartender and anyone witnessing our stupidity. 
over the years, we've never really gotten anyone else to play the game with us. Maybe they have to have a level of self. Maybe they have a level of self-respect I'm unfamiliar with. But we have an unwavering commitment to the bit that we'd play upon one of us suggesting it, even uh, as we curse him. So I think it's like someone throws it up; they have to do it. Alas, I am now sober after giving up all substances because of an unrelated stimulant problem that arose from ADD medication in school. I don't really miss drinking at all, except for playing this game. I miss the stupid camaraderie that goes along with the game. They'll both still play it, even when I'm the one who suggests it. But it's not the same when I'm not going through the same torture with them. Anyway, I thought you two might like to play. As we've never really had any success getting anyone else to play, it would be nice to spread the game. If you do, please share the shittiest liquor you come across. We'd love to know. Feel free to say my name, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. That's quite a sweet game. Yeah, it, like it's a sim- It's simple. The functionality works. It makes sense. Yeah. Congratulations on your sobriety. Yeah. Very happy to hear. Um, I think you know, God willing, if you and I find ourselves in a situation where we can afford the uh, financial and time luxury of getting absolutely shit canned on some horrible spirit of the barman's choosing. Yeah, I feel like you only have to do it once, though, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to rename it Kevin's Game, though, when we play it. Okay. Okay. I like it. In honor of Kevin. I guess that. Okay. I drew a direct line between your retitling of the game and the author of the email. Just wanted to check you're on board. I am good at putting things together. Furniture. Puzzles. Connections between names and emails. Very good. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Timothy and Guy. Hello, emailer. I mean, Facebook Messenger. Today, which was 30th of January... I was listening to the final episode of the recent Overlooked and Undercooked miniseries when I decided to look up Al King since I couldn't put a face to her name and I refused to watch the stand-up special myself. Thank you for your sacrifice. I was confused when I saw underneath her in the Google search results and the people also search for results 
a picture of Rob Schneider. I thought, surely there must be a mistake since I have no idea who that man is. But I know for a fact that's not Rob Schneider. (laughs) What? I assumed the search algorithm must have attached a picture of someone else with the same name until I clicked on his name and was met with a bevy of images and information about the man. I was then hit with the realization that up until this moment, I had been confusing Rob Schneider with Rob Lowe. Wow, No, they're different. I've been a listener of the pod for years, but admittedly have never seen most of the films or media you consume for the benefit of your audience. All this time, whenever you mention Rob Schneider, including throughout the duration of your miniseries documenting your watch of real Rob, I'd been picturing Rob Lowe in every scene. I think my perception of Lowe is probably permanently tainted from this, and I don't even know if I'll ever be able to divorce all the trivia I now know about <laughs> Schneider from my apparently very limited knowledge of Mr. Lowe. Anyway, love the pod, and I love you brave boys for putting your sanity on the line so that I don't have to actually consume any of the media that you so selflessly expose yourselves to for my sake. If this gets mentioned on a friend's own, feel free to say my name, Emmett. P.S. I missed you when you were in Chicago on your last tour, but here's hoping oh. you return once it's safe to do so. I would love to. Um... Man, what a cross to bear. Incredible. Amalgamating Robs, Lowe and Schneider into one person. These are very, very different Robs, although are they politically (laughs) aligned? Uh, No, I think Rob Lowe's pretty, pretty like mainline Democrat, isn't he? I feel like he's he's dodgy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Dodgy. Anyone who doesn't align with me. Correct. Is dodgy. Absolutely. Then, well, I mean, he is. I mean, he's he's uh, certainly got some skeletons in his personal closet. This guy, Rob Lowe, yeah, man. What's his deal? I think I think he, when he was a much younger man, he um, uh, had some sex scandals oh, with okay. much younger women, women slash girls. He was a with drugs. Rob Lowe was a Democrat until two thousand and six, and now he's a registered independent. That's. Oh, yeah, okay, an independent, all right, whatevs, man. At any rate, that's very funny to me, and now I'm trying to picture Rob Lowe delivering Schneider's special. <laughs> Someone should do one of those AI like the face swaps. Yeah, yeah. That'd be good. A deep fake of a whole comedy special. <laughs> Sarah writes, Hi, hello, my name is Sarah, and I use she, her pronouns, and I'm, 23, I'm a 23-year-old techie from New Jersey, one of the states near Connecticut. I am now ride or die with the worst idea of all time, really loving the podcast. And I wrote a plot sketch for a possible Grown Ups 2 and Sex in the City crossover. But first, some context. Before the 2020 pandemic, I started listening to Death Blight because I listened to a bunch of other McElroy podcasts. How do I say it? Twiwap. Twiwap. Yeah, boy. Was always on my backlog, but it never ended up finding me on a particularly finding it but it ended up finding me on a particularly pivotal november to cope i spent most of election week listening to the iconic first season of your lovely podcast while minecrafting extensively as i'm writing this uh, as i'm writing i'm on season two and uh this happened literally because in season two episode one one of you suggested a crossover sequel to grown-ups two and sex in the city two i have not watched either movie or the original Sex in the City, though I did listen to the worst scripted idea of all time. My brain loves filling in lore where there isn't enough fiction, so I took this on myself. I'm not caught up on the podcast yet, so I have no idea whether you've done this 
or how many other similar movie pictures you've received, but I hope this shines some light through the darkness as long as Adam Sandler does not read this. And also, if you don't read this, that's totally understandable. The takeaway is more that I appreciate the hard work you and Guy do with these movie podcasts. And that is from Sarah. And is if is is there's an attachment, baby. Okay, yeah, you give me a panic attack over here. Do you want me to have a little look see inside? Oh yeah, I like this. How big? It's been what it's um I reckon you could actually read it and maybe like almost that could be the friend zone. Okay. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Cool man. Would love to. I've I've got one more yeah, cool, as well, but cool, yeah, cool. yeah. Here we go. So this is written by Sarah. Sarah. Okay, thank you, Sarah. And everyone, please enjoy this fusing of the Grown Ups 2 and Sex and City 2 universes. It's one year after the events of Grown Ups 2, and Lenny is delighted to welcome another child to his <laughs> hostage situation, which has been <laughs> scratched out and replaced with the word family. <laughs> but the connective tissue is Selma. How? I embellished on her background as established from what we know of Grown Ups. She's a fashion designer that made it big but stepped back from the scene to live with Lenny in Stanton where she owns a boutique. Mm -hmm. But what was her impact as a fashion designer? I'm saying that five years ago, she made fashion that spurned a larger trend in the industry. Maybe it's holographic prints. Maybe it's drawstring sleeves. No, I don't think that's a thing either. Just assume it's like a trend that is in style that year before it vanishes, but it is big and memorable. Yet this trend has been resurrected by a famous designer Selma left a mark on. This is where those four ladies come in. You know the ones. Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, and Schlorp, which has been scribbled out and replaced with Charlotte, are fashion reporters. They're keyed in on everything. So when they notice this trend is reborn, they wonder where she is now, uh, where she is now after the trend's heyday. Working with famous designer, they track her down for the story of a lifetime or of a September issue. Because this famous designer is a huge fan of Selma's, they also offer her to fly her and a large posse to Las Vegas for front row seats at the tribute show, which I thought would happen at Caesar's Palace for some reason. So who does Selma invite? Because Lenny was surprisingly supportive of his wife during the pregnancy, Selma decides to be nice to him by telling him he can invite his friends and their families too. In reality, he showed her the least modicum of decency a man can show a woman without her leaving him, but Selma really read into it. When Selma tells Lenny this, he smiles and thinks back on this, but there's a quick flashback montage of every feasible way he fucked up the last year. Anyway, he accepts though, and when he tells the guys, there's a bit where Kurt calls him a wife guy, and Lenny gets the idea in his head that now Selma seems like the more successful of the two, and he has to one-up her to still successfully perform hegemonic masculinity in the world Sandler has created. This is an arc seat. We'll come back to that. (laughs) The lads resolve to pursue what I'm calling boy time in Las Vegas. (laughs) We'll see how that goes. So, a bunch of things happen in Vegas. Selma and the other wives actually get along very well with Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, and the designer. Awesome. Meanwhile, maybe Mr. Big also tries to one-up Lenny, advancing that arc a bit. However, this is not because of anything Lenny says to support his wife, but because of the way he expresses his masculinity. There's a subplot where Higgins doesn't have a good suit for Vegas, so he has to seek help. He eventually finds a fashion designer who benevolently gives him a suit in a fun, unconventional colour, but it is a whole thing that does also interface... uh, that does also interface with the film's examination of expressing masculinity somehow. Mm. Not plot relevant, but this started out as a fun idea about damn expressing masculinity and how to do it is emerging as a theme here. Wild. (laughs) The two main obstacles standing in the way of boy time are, one, the expectation that everyone who arrives at this multi-day fashion show watch it happen for hours and participate in this avant-garde society to keep up appearances, and two... 
that the dads will have to step in to look after the kids since all the women and the designer are all in a circle around uh, are all out in a circle around Selma worshiping worshiping her like the queen she is. Obstacle one. During the first part of the fashion show, this is addressing obstacle one, which is the expectation that everyone who arrives at the fashion show watch it happen for hours and participate. Uh, during the first part of the fashion show they sit through, the guys quietly whisper to their wives about the fashion show. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's almost like the ballet scene. Kevin James burps nuts during a quiet bit of that show. This is, a, this is plot relevant. We will revisit that. There's also a good part for the guys to all be on their phones during the show, texting each other until a wife notices. This is one of those scenes grown-ups claims is a joke but isn't, and yet it is still essential to the grown-ups experience as <laughs> shittiness. Inevitably, the boys will find a way to make boy time happen, and it will seem like they're at the fashion show when they aren't. It would be a fun to have a boy time montage set to Fat Boy Slim's weapon of choice, because <laughs> why not? However, this is cut short by a major plot event. Here it is. Kevin burps nutting in a way that breaks the slot machine in front of him at a different casino that is not Caesars via a Rube Goldberg sequence. If that makes sense. Jesus Christ, not really. Shady mobsters affiliated with the casino subsequently chase him and his boys out of the casino and it's so violent that it makes news. Selma fucking yells at Lenny. Why the frick did he have to have boy time? You were supposed to be supporting me. You didn't even do that much for me last year. What the frick, Lenny? <laughs> Lenny can be a bitch to his wife, but logically what could come next is Lenny being slightly more present. Maybe a, yeah, turns out I am a wife guy. Line in Act 3 of this somewhere. Obstacle 2. Jesus, this is really detailed. While boy time ensues, grown-ups, the next generation, and maybe some of the Sex and the City kids are suddenly unsupervised by all parents. So they go, go on some sort of wild Vegas adventure. Great, great, great. I don't great. know exactly what, but the burst snart on the news just kills the energy and they eventually return home before the parents This notice. is what makes it a four-tent movie, four-tent pole film. Everybody's got someone yeah. to root for. Braden Higgins learns some street magic from a Penn and Teller show and gets uh, one of the... <laughs> <laughs> and gets uh, one of the Sex yes. and the City daughters with a knife variation of it. It's cool. So how does all this come together? After Boy Time 1 failed, a day passes. Maybe some Sex and the City plot things happen. Unbeknownst to all these families, <laughs> shady mobsters watch them from the shadows, working for an on-screen man named Carlo and an off-screen one named Silver Shiv, who runs the casino. Lenny <laughs> okay. eventually proposes something a bit less rash. The five guys' burgers and fries will go out for some burgers and fries and beers, mayhaps, a second boy time to some. Act three is imminent. Meanwhile, all the children are actually at a pop concert weekend retreat of some sort with some interns for the designer. Everyone's okay with this. The burgers are laced with chloroform and the men awake in a parking garage with more of these shady mobsters where we Whoa. finally meet Silver Shiv for the first time. Several things are revealed, such as Silver Shiv can burp snart too because he's Kevin's long-lost cousin. Oh, my God. He had a violent falling out with his family when they kept looking for him, so it's up to him to make sure he's the only one who can burp snart in Las Vegas. <laughs> Silver Shiv has captured the kids. Silver Shiv will only release them if they do a very challenging heist of the centerpiece of Designer's Show, which is encrusted with more Swarovski crystals than the human mind can comprehend. Also, it's kind of silver and pointy. Silver Shiv is also friends with the Las Vegas Police Department, including Shaq and Dante somehow, because (laughs) ACAB. I don't exactly know All how... cops are bros. That's right. They're I don't exactly know how I see this movie ending, but here's what I have so far. The rest of the movie happens that night. Braden Higgins and his new girlfriend are recruited to help the men, and they use their street magic skills to do a fake-out where they pretend to steal the things Silver Shiv needs. Somehow Lenny actually finds a way to be hyper-present and there for his wife while not losing his cool with the guys. Okay, so he almost loses the guys, but once they see how much he loves his wife in this timeline, they decide he's actually not that bad. Mr. Big's involved somehow. Maybe he has to cover for Lenny. I don't know. Something happens to Silver Shiv, uh, so Silver Shiv is n- no danger to the designer. 
the grown-ups, or the Sex and the City people. Maybe Braden does a knife trick that accidentally kills him. I don't know. And that's where it got up to. I really like that. I want Brady to survive. I don't want him killed at his own hand because of pen and talent. I feel magic. like it, this is, if we think of it as sort of a Marvel world-building exercise, mm. I feel like Brady's like, not unlike his, his storyline in Six and the City 2, you can just see it sort of noodling away in the background and you're like, I wonder what's going on with this kid, but they yeah. never actually address it in any serious way. Well, until they do. You know what I mean? But that's the next film, right? It'll, it'll be like Scarlet Witch. It'll be like, I don't know what this Wanda person's really doing. And then it's like, blam. She's in charge of the whole thing. Is that a spoiler? Probably. Um, I really liked that. I liked the details it had, and I liked the details it didn't have. <laughs> I think that's a cool way to write a script. Yeah. I, Sarah, you've done great work I there. really appreciate that. You and had to sit down and fucking like, hammer that through. Shit, yeah. You did a lot of work. The Vegas thing, because what ticks me off about Paul Blart Mall Cop is that it's set in Vegas... But, but barely. But like it didn't have to be. And if something's set in Vegas, the movie should be like Ocean's Eleven. But that one wasn't. But this one that you've written kinda is. It's very much so a I'm Las in, Vegas film. I'm into it. Um Great as weird. promised, I'll read one more thing. Fabulous. And then we'll get out of here. Dearest Mr. Timnus and the Gyron Giant, I dreamed of you. <laughs> we were attending a wedding together, not sure whose. Perhaps Carrie and Big? Who can say? Either way, it was the night before the wedding, and for some reason the three of us, plus several other people, were all going to be sleeping in the same room. It looked like a living room on various couches. We drank beers and played video games until around 2 or 3 in the morning, at which point I elected to try and go to sleep. However, you two party animals refused to do so and continued to loudly enjoy yourselves until dawn, apparently without needing sleep. Your noise also kept me from sleeping, and I was, understandably, pretty pissed. How funny is it to be in a dream, annoyed, and not being able to sleep within the dream? It is very funny. Your noise also kept me from sleeping, and I was like, oh, pretty pissed. My irritation led me to yell at some children immediately before the wedding, and their parents sued me, I think. <laughs> not sure. It gets pretty blurry around there. I think listening to the podcast I fall asleep is affecting my psyche. Yep. I hope you're spending my monthly two bucks on something worthwhile. If you read this on the friend zone. Say my goddamn name, and what do you what do you guess the author's name is? The author's name is Simone. Is in Nina Simone. You fucking nailed it. Missed it. Oh, <laughs> it's Nathan. Okay, Nathan for me. Here's the thing, Nathan. You need to stop listening to the podcast because your brain is sending you a direct message that you need to sleep, and we're intervening in that. Like this yeah. isn't a very coded dream. This isn't a very complicated subplot. I think you just need to get some shut eye. So enjoy the boys during your waking hours. Get some rest. Hit the showers. Do you go to sleep listening to podcasts? No. Do you go to sleep listening to anything? Um, I used to. I like from the youngest age. I would listen to music to fall asleep always to the point where, like. Uh, when I started sharing a bed with a partner, I would have to put headphones in. Mm. But then it just got too impractical because I've never found the perfect like um, wireless earbud that I could wear in bed. It's, it's difficult to you have get it. all tangled up yeah, in the yeah, wired it's, ones. It's, a, it's, it's tricky. It's difficult to find comfort. I hear that. I remember what about when you? I was. A, what about you, guy? Are you a music guy when you fall asleep? When yeah, but Chelsea's not, and so mm. Chelsea says I. <laughs> she says she can't fall asleep with some music because she listens to the music too hard. Oh, I don't even know what that means. It's like she's tuning into it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like knowing some things about Chelsea's background, I can kind of maybe appreciate why. 
Yeah, she'd have like a particular I think it's, ear for it. It's very, it's a very funny thing to self-proclaim. Yeah, that you, you like you can't listen. I go to music. too hard in the paint when I'm chilling out <laughs> listening to songs. Absolutely, but um, I I do I like to fall asleep to audio accompaniment. I mean, I I have spent enough time in my life not doing it that I can I'm verse, but um, congrats. Recently, I love falling asleep listening to. Uh, which, which is what I used to do as a child. I used to listen to cassettes, Michael Rosen poems, or uh, there was a short story set on the English seaside called The Man, and I'd fall asleep listening to it on cassette every night. That's cute. And there was like a rhythm to that that I found very calming. And now I've got that with Alan Partridge's podcast from the <laughs> Oast House. So good. I go to bed and just listen to Alan Partridge just fucking <laughs> nattering away. But don't you like crack up? Doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, but so I like. Awake? I mean, what a feeling! I'm going to sleep smiling. Yeah, that's nice. Actually, that's really that's good. And also, I feel like I remember once for a um, we had this like kids Fisher and Price tape cassette with a microphone, and you could actually record in the microphone onto a blank tape cassette. And I remember once I must have been like Fisher and Price made a third or fourth form, yeah. But I didn't. I mean, I don't know how common. I didn't never, never. We never had like an adult version of this tape recorder where it had a microphone you could record into. And I used it when I had to study for a biology exam. I recorded all of the biology information I had onto a cassette, and then would fall asleep (laughs) listening to myself reciting biology information. Dictaphone's a dictaphone. Doesn't matter who makes it. And I got 92%. Fuck, yes, The brother. highest ever score I got in a science test. That's insane. That's so high. That's like an A-plus territory. Yeah. God damn. What, now, ha- what happened to you, man? I literally don't know how anything works. <laughs> I don't know how anything works. I'm at the mercy of experts. We all are, bro. If something goes wrong, I have to go to an expert and say, hey, this has happened. Can you fix it? And they go, yes. And it costs... Whatever number I choose, because you're a fucking idiot, and it's I can tell. Sign of the times. And while Guy starts really unraveling on the <laughs> mic, I think we should probably land the plane on this one. Thank you so much to everybody who joined us on the live stream. If you didn't, that's okay too, because we're putting it out for free. And uh, you can see it at Um I love you. I don't know how Guy feels about you. You're all right. And we'll catch you in the next exciting episode of The Worst Idea of All Time or catch you on uh, one of our ancillary products like Killionaire. That's at patreon.com slash T-W-I-O-A-T. If you're in Auckland, we might even see you on the street. That's just how it is. Well, it's the Friend Zone with Tim and Guy. It's the Friend Zone. We're going to have a good time. It's the Friend Zone. With Tim and Guy, because making friends is the best idea of all time. Friend Zone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.